This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, December 30th of 2019, it's episode 168. In this episode, Lawful Evil, plus our hot dog preferences, way more discussion of chili than anyone expected, our Christmas gift hauls, Avatar The Last Airbender, Agretzko, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. How's everybody doing? How was everybody's Christmas? Oh, it was all Christmas right. Christmas itself was fine. Good. It was okay. The The weather has been bad. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Like, we've been basically housebound by freezing rain for a little bit. Oh, and yuck. And I'm tired. And also, it's looking like, th- this is the fun bit. Today, we got an announcement from our ISP that... Uh, there might be five day long power outs coming because what? of storms. So, oh no, that kind of is <sighs> awful. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. That's uh, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> it's been seventy and rainy here, so it hasn't felt like winter at all. Yeah, it's been fifty five and like overcast here, so it's like November and December switched places in my part of the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh, it it's just been wet. It's yeah. it's been so muddy. We don't have a, a paved driveway and cuz old farmhouse and it loops behind the house and being incredibly expensive to pave. Um, right. I it's been so bad the cars have been like skidding as we get out. Oh yeah. yuck. It's just it's just a mud pit. It's gross. That that was what it was like today for me because it Ugh. was like literally about two inches of slush because oh, yeah. the way Ugh. that plowing works, I think for the town, and I could be wrong about this because I was talking with a private contractor and not somebody who like works directly under the town, but I believe the rules are plowing must start minimum one hour after the last snowflake has fallen, mm. which doesn't help when the snow doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and the slush is worse because it freezes overnight and all that mess. So. Except for when it doesn't, and it just keeps building like it has been for the last two days. Oh, and so. slush is like the worst thing to drive on because it's got mm-hmm. all the all the worst qualities of ice, snow, and mud. It's just, yeah. it's horrible. There's like Lovely. no traction at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's our white Christmas. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. This is this is the uh, weather is awful cast with I hear Grant, that. Peter and Jenny. Yeah. So speaking of Christmas, we had a pretty good one. Um, a little tiring because we have lots of family, like lots of small family gatherings. You know, we I think yeah. did like four different little Christmas celebrations over two days, things like that. Just you know, running all over the place. But we had fun. My sister came down from Maine with her husband, which was really nice. Uh, they they just got married this past year. So mm. um, good to to see them and actually congratulate them in person. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing, because they're up in Maine. So just little things like that. Um, it was good. The kids had a lot of fun, obviously. So good times. I'm curious, what, what was the like a couple just a couple of gifts that you gave 
or receive that are of interest. I don't want to turn this into like a complete let's run down everything we happen to get or happen to get, but just like one or two yeah. little things of interest. So I actually I can actually go through all that I got because I literally got three things. I got oh, a oh, board go. game called Burgle, Burgle Bros, okay. uh, which has been very fun. We've played it multiple times, have not yet won. Uh, it's basically a <laughs> heist. It's a, a 1960s-ish heist board game. I love it. Oh, that um, sounds great. Really oh, good. It's so much fun. <laughs> ah, I love it. It's if available. If we're uh, ever going to be at a con at the same time, please bring that with you. I think the three oh, of us should play that. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, It's also available. A flawed version of it is available on Tabletop um, Simulator. Mm -hmm. um it's missing some cards and some cards have been swapped around a little bit but it's still a lot of fun um i also got a bunch of tea and a new tea steeper because my um tea steeper became uncleanable like this Mm. one is dismantleable it's it's not one of those like tea ball things it's like a cup that you put on top of another cup and then a valve opens and it lets tea loose um yeah, uh, and I got a video game from one of my friends, and it's called Gatto Roboto, and I am having fun. Um, in terms of giving, because of the way uh, money at work works, I didn't get reimbursed for pretty much anything until, Oof. like, uh, four days before Christmas, which was, like, way too late to buy anybody anything. Right, so I went sure. super budget um, for the most part. Got my dad um, a bento box, which still has not arrived. It seems to be stuck in Osaka, and that is sucks. Um, and I got my mom a couple of books, the English translations of the light novel for Restaurant to Another World, which is a lovely little show, lovely yes. little book series. I saw, like, the first episode of it. It's cute. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, and I gave Tyler um, a rock from Final Fantasy fourteen. It was something he requested. All right. I'm sure it's important, <laughs> but I don't play Final Fantasy XIV. has to do with, like, guild jobs or something like that. I don't know. Uh, okay. Oh, I, and Cookie I've Cutters. I've not played that, but I, I've played some stuff in kind of the same setting, I think? Yeah. Like, okay, I, I kind of get the idea. I think the Guild Wars 2 equivalent would be the backpack. Okay. Okay, so... I've never played that either, but... I, okay. Yeah. yeah. Grant, why don't you go next? Because... Just to set this up a little bit, you got something that is making me have basically exactly the same reaction that you had when I read Wizard of Earthsea. Okay, that's fair. So I bought for my wife. um, Well, okay. so the big gift we got for the kids this year was two kittens. We've talked about the kittens on previous episodes, but cats are a little expensive. I'm not sure if you all know this. Uh, And when they need multiple rounds of dewormer and, you know, uh, oh, we now have to clean the litter box, like completely change and bleach the litter box twice in five, in 10 days, you know, <laughs> litter adds up and cat, kitty food adds up, blah, 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 blah. So that was their big expensive gift was kittens. cats. <laughs> um, and we told them that and they were fine with that. Uh, Santa did bring them a, a, this is kind of cool for the older kid, a book of science experiments you can do with cats. Ooh! Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's, you know, like, kind of, you know, how high can you, you know, like, watch your cat, like, study what your cat does, you know, can they see in the dark, you know, like, neat stuff like that, right? Kind of, a little bit of, like, biology and physics study, but you, you, it's activities to do with a cat, which is fun. Pretty book-heavy Christmas all around, as you might imagine. 
And for my wife, I got her a copy of the Little Shop of Horrors musical, which has an absolutely amazing cast. I'd forgotten how good the cast was and how good the songs are. You you guys have seen this, right? I have not. I know what it's about, but I've not actually seen it. I'm not super duper interested, to be honest. Oh, man. Rick Moranis really does a good job. Uh, the, The songs are honestly incredible. And I mean, this is this is a movie whose supporting cast is Christopher Guest, John Candy, Bill Murray, uh, Jim Belushi and Steve Martin. That is quite the uh, ensemble there. It's it's quite good. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, we we had a great time rewatching it because it's a movie we saw very early on when we were dating and then had never revisited. Uh, and she got a stocking full of like stuff from the Japanese grocery store, which she loves. <laughs> and then I got a copy of the first volume of the Hellboy trade paperback. Uh, the, would that the, be the omnibus? Yeah, the Hellboy omnibus. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I don't know comic terms, but yes, big, thick volume one so, of Hellboy. Yeah, basically the, the omnibus has things that are actually now out of print in some cases. So it has, if I'm recalling, volume one has five trade papers okay. within it. Yeah, it's like two centimeters thick. Yeah, like it's, it's a chonker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Mike Perna, little shout out to you. <laughs> and of course, Jenny, you as well. Like after that episode, I put that on my Amazon wish list. So, <laughs> yeah. I just finished uh, reading volume three, which contains the Wild Hunt. Oh my gosh. Anyway, this is not the Hellboy cast. Again. Watch, listen to our, our episode. Wow, these are really reasonably priced on Amazon. I may have to I know, right? They're so. just reasonably priced. A <clears throat> couple Sorry, of Discord novels really we loud. didn't have. Always nice. And then the gift that Peter's been waiting for, and I've been, you know, stringing him along for, um, <laughs> my wife got me a copy of the DVD, full DVD set of Avatar The Last Airbender, which I have never seen and my wife has never seen. And she and I sat down to watch that last night and got through, you know, first disc and a half and really enjoyed it. Yeah, we, it's, we definitely it's, it. it's absolutely fantastic. One of my it favorite is. redemption arcs in anything. It's just I mean, so good. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to say no spoilers. I'm usually not a big spoil. Like, I don't care that much about spoilers, but because I'm like actively involved in it, you know, hold off. Yeah. But I will say what has surprised me so far is, you know, I kind of the fact that it, this is personal bias, but the fact that it's a Nickelodeon show kind of had me going, Really? Is it is it actually mm. as good as everyone says, or is this like a rose tinted glasses kind of thing for you know the the warmth of childhood and all that? But there's even just in the first, I think we've probably seen like eight episodes. It's been good. It's got a little bit of the you know lesson of each episode kind of thing going on, but they're clearly doing some world building and narrative stuff, and I'm I'm enjoying that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And and that sort of like lesson at the end of the episode thing does. It sticks around a little bit, but it get it diminishes as the show continues. I think mm-hmm. it was more along the lines of like Nickelodeon gave them a structure that they had to work with for the first season, sure. and then second season they were like, "We get to play now." And it's our, still our playground now. <laughs> yeah, and it's still not very heavy-handed. I'll say that. Like, yeah, it's, it kind of shows up, but you're still like, I mean, that's cool, but give me more of what's going on. You know? Yeah. It's like, all right, we had our moment. Let's get back to the interesting stuff. But Chrissy yeah. and I keep kind of going, "Oh, this is that's interesting." Oh, really? Okay. Okay, this has some thought in it. All right, so it, it, it's been good. Yeah, have you have you kind of gotten the gang together at this point? Is Toph there? What what book are you on? Yeah, the first disc and a half. It's um okay. Book one. Okay, yeah. So that's water. So yeah, you know, it's wa- water. Yeah, that's no right. Toph yeah, yet. Right. It's like no water, earth, earth, and fire. fire. Is it water, fire, earth, or water, earth, fire? 
Water, earth, fire. Okay. Yeah. Once, so it, once you get introduced to Toph, oh boy, we have some conversations to have. She's fun. And that's that's where they got their playground, essentially. <laughs> Not like that's what I think of it as. Okay. It's like, yeah. That's no, where they we, got to play. We just. I don't want to turn this into the Avatar podcast, but they have um, met Boomy. <gasps> oh, Boomy's great too. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun. We were laughing with that, and then also. Uh, spirit world past live two-parter thing. Oh, that one. Oh gosh, yeah. So, yeah, there was something going on there. Went to a fire temple, met his past live guy, Avatar <laughs> Roku. There we go. That was yes. the name. So anyway, yeah, that's that's where we are there. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to continuing with it. In fact, I should probably stop talking about this so I can finish up the episode and watch more with my wife. Uh, just real quickly, um, my family mostly doesn't do gift exchanges anymore because the youngest person on both sides is over 30 at this point. But um, the 30-something on my wife's side is my wife's little sister, and she still really likes doing gift exchanges. So yeah. my wife took care of kind of gifts for that side. Um, from her, I got a copy of Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, which is surprisingly full of stuff that can just be scraped out and used elsewhere. Um, also they stuck a bunch of concept art in the back of that one. So it's like mm. part gaming book, part art book, which is kind of neat. Mm. And then I got a bunch of like gift cards and stuff from work, which I turned around and turned into various geeky things. After seeing that you'd gotten Avatar, I realized that I had never gotten around to getting my own copy. So I snagged that and, um, Legend of Korra, which I had never seen before, which takes place in the same setting. So I've been watching that and really enjoying it. And once you finish with Avatar, definitely go ahead and watch that. You will probably like it even more. I will yeah. say I did not like it as much, but I also went into it with much rosier colored glasses for the original series than... See, the thing is, Legend I haven't watched the original series in probably four or five years. So I have memories of it, but it's not super fresh in my brain. Fair. So I don't yeah. know if that's affecting things or not. Yeah. Or our tastes are just a little different. I mean, we've established that too. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's that's kind of it for me. Uh, we're actually kind of getting back into some gaming again, which is kind of cool. Grant's running Princes of the Apocalypse. We had our first session just back on Saturday. Yes, in which so. I say, behold, many plot hooks. I will fling them at you in rapid succession until <laughs> yeah. you, until you yeah. run away. <laughs> Gotta ah, say, I have plot hooks stuck in me. <laughs> it's a little almost stressful for me because like the way that I look at a module game is very much like I always look at them like I look at Mass Effect 3 where if I don't make the right choices, one of my favorite characters has to die. <laughs> and guess what, Jenny? So, That's absolutely true. I will cut them with a knife. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Do we even have favorite characters yet? We've met like three people. <laughs> And gotten like twenty-seven adventure hooks. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no. Oh, NPCs only. <laughs> I, by the way, like Croucher is one of the most ridiculous characters I've ever come up with, and I think she's gonna probably or they. I, I don't know. Croucher's a little bit of a mystery. I kind of, I'm having fun. <laughs> Croucher's fun. I, I'm excited to to see what Croucher ends up being in many in many senses. Yes. <laughs> we we may all just be like, don't look under the hood. You'll go yeah. mad. I mean, you can see a, you can see a face. That that's about it. That's that is true. That could just be your mind projecting a face on something horrifying <laughs> to keep you sane. <laughs> you will never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you're playing a warlock, and I'm really excited. Yeah. This is going to be good. Um, I'm having fun. And I'm playing a bard, which is a first for me, too. So Yeah. I, I should point out the the first session was entirely... You're in this town. Here's some history. Here's some box text. Yay, I got to read box text for the first time ever. That was fun. <laughs> like, it was genuinely kind of satisfying. And then, you know, oh, we get to introduce you all to NPCs, and I get to kind of do my favorite part of GMing, which is, you know, take an NPC and give them a silly voice and some silly characterizations, you know? It was good. Before we get into the actual topic, brief thingy, minor story. If you are not okay with uh, hearing about animals getting hurt because of stupid things they did um maybe don't listen super hard to this section uh we don't have a podcat in the room today on my end because jenny the goblin queen bashed her face in on a stair oh, oh dear so yeah she did it herself she got zoomy and she did a thing um that i've only ever seen her do she's never done it to the point where she's you know slid and you know, bashed her face on a stair. Uh, but by the way, she is fine. Like, I say bashed in, it's more like bruised up really bad and is a little bit tender. No. But like, she can run sideways. And I don't just mean like, there, there's a thing that cats do where they sort of like skitter sideways. She oh, yes. runs sideways. <laughs> like, the same speed that she runs forward, she runs sideways. And she was doing that, and she wasn't paying attention to where she was going, and she went full tilt into the lower stair on the staircase. Oh. And I actually thought her jaw was dislocated oh, because yeah. her she, her mouth was oh, just like open, thing. just like hanging open for a solid 15 seconds. And then she sort of like licked her lips a bunch and then gently closed her mouth. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, so she's not been meowing nearly as open-mouthedly she's treating herself gently as it were and she is not downstairs today she's upstairs asleep in the big comfy chair so yeah that's been my stress for the day well at least she's a cat so she'll sleep and her body's repair systems will do their thing yeah and she'll she'll purr and be fine and and the healing whatever's of purring i know it's a thing so she'll be okay it's just Right. She's just I, f- I feel like a bad cat mom, even though I didn't do anything. It was her entirely like. <laughs> well, but you I never like, like to see your cat. pets get hurt. <laughs> no, 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 that that's never good. All right. We do have a big topic to talk about. We're talking mm-hmm. about lawful evil as part of our alignment series. This is going to be the last alignment episode for a couple of episodes. We're going to take a little break, do some other stuff, uh, and then we'll come back with a whole line of neutral good True neutral and neutral evil. But before we do that, we have a Patreon question. And I'm yep. going to roll for that right now with this die. That die. All right. I didn't actually roll the maximum, so that's I was going to say, did you, did, you, uh, did you crit again, okay. Grant? <laughs> All right. So this, this is from Chris Bissell. And you know what? This is a nice, simple question. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. What do you like to put on hot dogs? What is the weirdest thing you've ever had on a hot dog? Where is the best hot dog you've ever tasted? I can answer this real simple. I'm actually really boring with my hot dogs. As weird as I am with my sandwiches, my hot dogs are very standard ketchup, relish, and mustard. And not even a lot of mustard. (laughs) Just a normal person amount of mustard, I swear. Weirdest thing I've had on a hot dog 
was something that called itself chili. It was a lie. It was just meat. And apparently that's what North Carolina thinks chili is. I've talked South to Carolina people. South Carolina, too. There, there's the, the, hot dog chili, and then there's, like, chili you eat in a bowl. Yeah, I this know. This is hot dog that, chili, and it's gross, and I hate it. It's meat, it's meat paste that's kind of too thick, and it's watery and It wasn't and a awful. paste. It was just, like... Oh, I know. It's, if you put sloppy Joe's, a hot dog, yeah, and I'd rather really they correct. call it that. Like, just put sloppy Joe's on a hot dog. That, that's what it could be called. Yeah, it's it's so It's gross. not chili. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. so wimpy. You can do better. At I, least put beans in. Yeah, don't get me wrong. When people around it's, here serve, like, chili in a bowl, you get yeah. an, a real chili, right? See, um, I have yet to see any of the stuff that I put into chili that I think makes it a chili because okay. my family my family does put a lot of stuff in chilies and like it's it's somewhere between gumbo and chili okay. and, uh, although we don't get okra up here so no okra yeah, the, yeah. thus not a gumbo but like it's we we put a lot in our chili and it's it's nothing like anything I've seen south sure. of the border like onion and um, pepper and stuff like that yeah. Oh, uh, chickpeas. Olives. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, corn is a really big one. Um, uh, basically anything you can get in a can. If you okay. can get it in a can, you can put it in. Oh, water chestnut. That's one of my favorites. Oh, that's that's a little extreme for me. But like, I'm not saying this sounds bad, but it's way yeah. outside my chili experience, which is yeah, mostly yeah. just kind of a chili con carne, you know, bean, onion, meat. Yeah. Kind of yeah. kind like, of approach. For us, if you can if it's savory and it comes in a can, you can probably put it in chili. Oh, also cocoa powder. That one actually really I've makes it that. like rich and mm, yes. Yeah. You know what my wife's done with chili? And we've definitely turned this into a chili question instead of a hot dog yeah. question, but that's all right. Oh, Give me for a sure. second. Um this was actually inspired uh Chrissy found um the like at some point the Obama family chili mm. recipe was published online or something and she looked that up kind of as a, a joke because she and i have very different political views mm -hmm. you know she's on one end i'm on the other and we've made it work which has been fun but she you know kind of as a reaching across the line kind of thing grabbed that recipe and she's changed it a fair bit since then this was years ago and she's slowly modified it to suit our tastes but a couple t uh, tablespoons of red wine vinegar mm. really sharpen it up and give it a really good flavor oh yeah yeah. Um, it's really good. Let's not turn this into the chili thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Best hot dog I've ever tasted was um, actually the hot dog where I had chili on it. Like the hot dog itself was really good. It was um, mm. from Jones's Hot Dogs, I think it is, in Clayton, North Carolina. There you go. It They're bright red. It's just the way that it is. And um, they only steam them. And I prefer steamed to anything for hot dogs. Yes. It was really nice. Okay, so I can answer this pretty quickly. I am a resident of Northern Illinois. I like the Chicago dog, which, if you are not from this area, is it's a Vienna beef hot dog uh, on a poppy seed bun with yellow mustard, white onion, sweet neon green pickle relish, uh, sport peppers, tomatoes, and celery salt. And you can stick a kosher dill slice on the side or in it and eat it either way. I'm... I'm salivating at the moment. It is it is umami for days. It is wonderful. <laughs> I didn't yeah. try one until I was over 30 and kicked myself. Weirdest thing I've ever had on a hot dog was nacho cheese sauce. And the best 
uh, hot dog I've ever tasted was just from like a cart vendor that was selling them at a craft show that my wife was working that I was helping her with, and they just did it perfectly. There you go. Uh, so as for me, all right, I have to ask the the panel of judges here. Mm-hmm. Does bratwurst count for the purposes of this discussion? No, it's not a hot no. dog. Okay. It's a, it's okay. a sausage That's served sausage. in a bun, but it is a higher sausage than hot Entirely dog. Entirely fair. It just changes it my answers. Worst. You know. Once yeah. it becomes worst, it is a sausage. Okay. I'm fine with that. Um, what do I like to put on hot dogs? You know, I take them pretty much just, you know, mustard and like onion. Uh, you know, just very, very simple. I have never liked cheese or hot dog chili on them. I don't love ketchup. Sometimes I'll add it. Sometimes I won't. Kind of depends on how I'm feeling at the, at the time. That's just kind of how I usually do it. I would not necessarily object to other toppings. I just haven't had a lot of strange hot dogs. I think maybe the weirdest thing I've ever had on a hot dog was coleslaw, which is not all that weird. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, I mean, mean, it's not super common, but it's not something that makes you go, they put that on hot dogs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, then again, I, I very rarely eat hot dogs. You know, I, I find other things. Best hot dog, and again, <laughs> you know, since I can't talk about the best, like, sausage dog I've ever had, you know, not to brag too much, but when I grill, I feel like I grill hot dogs really well. You know, I get them just to the point where they are are crispy but not burned. They have a little bit of grill marking on them. They're really hot all the way through. Uh, they're, you know, they're really juicy. I feel like those are like the best hot dogs I've had just in terms of the quality of the dog. Most meat cooked over an open flame is better that way than in any other way. There are yeah, a few well, exceptions, but as a general rule. And I have, I have made great strides in, um, shall we say, not burning them. (laughs) You know, to really put a euphemism on this, not destroying them with fire. (laughs) All right. So there you go. Chris, thank you. Fun question. Yeah. Uh, We we appreciate the chili question. That was really good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even weigh in on that or we would still be talking about it anyway. No, I know. Ask us about chili. Next question. (laughs) No, we've already answered chili. Now you got to ask about like tacos. (laughs) Oh, I got some answers for that. Well, me too. All right. Let's do scripture, shall we? Okay, this is Judges 6, 1 through 6. It's the beginning of the story of Gideon. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like a swarm of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And our second reading is uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 to 8. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. 
Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. And 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So our topic tonight, as I said earlier, is part three of our alignment series, Lawful Evil. I have definitely not been waiting for a long time to talk about this. This is <laughs> not, ha this, I am not literally rubbing my hands together under my keyboard. Certainly not. <laughs> okay. So uh, a couple of quick common baselines. We talk about this at the start of each of these. Um, we're trying to talk about these in terms of uh, a character's objective reality. We're not talking about what a character thinks about themselves. Uh, as uh, our one of our earlier hosts, Brandon, was fond of saying, no one's the villain of their own story. But yeah. in this case, we're talking about actual villains and like actual evil characters. And we're talking about people who do actual harm. So, yes, we're talking about objective natures here. Yep. And lawful in this context is not just law abiding. It means orderly and disciplined and structured and so on. But of course, it does also mean law abiding in many cases. Let's not forget that. Evil, that's a very big topic. We've talked about it a great deal. Go listen to a lot of our backlog. We've had a lot to say about evil in seven years. But it's you're going to hear a lot of themes repeated, I suspect, here about like thoughtless selfishness and actual malice and a whole lot more. So, you know, we'll, we'll be touching on that as we go. And as we have done every episode, we're, we want to kind of talk about this in terms of um, like the second edition and fifth edition takes on alignment because AD&D is awful. Although this one is not as bad as many of the others. I'll say yeah. that. The lawful ones have uniformly been pretty okay. It's really when you get into neutral and chaotic that 2E goes off the rails. Uh, <laughs> let's just say lawful is bad better than those yeah. like, i have some issues with like lawful good yeah le less bad perhaps yeah less bad less, but less I, bad. I actually let's think go with that i'm actually okay with a lot of the lawful evil one there's like one incorrect assumption an error that they make that affects several bits of this but we'll get into that in a second all right here okay. we go this is the second edition ad and d version of lawful evil these characters believe in using society and its laws to benefit themselves Structure and organization elevate those who deserve to rule as well as provide a clearly defined hierarchy between master and servant. To this end, lawful evil characters support laws and societies that protect their own concerns. If someone is hurt or suffers because of a law that benefits lawful evil characters, too bad. Lawful evil characters obey laws out of fear of punishment. Because they may be forced to honor an unfavorable contract or oath they have made, lawful evil characters are usually very careful about giving their word. Once given, they break their word only if they can find a way to do it legally, within the laws of society. An iron-fisted tyrant and a devious, greedy merchant are examples of lawful evil beings. Peter, you want to give us the fifth ed one? 
Sure. Lawful evil creatures methodically take what they want within the limits of a code of tradition, loyalty, or order. Devils, blue dragons, and hobgoblins are lawful evil. All right. So what do we like and dislike about these? Um, I actually really like the first sentence of the AD&D 2nd edition one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's char- a good opener. Yeah, these characters believe in using society and its laws to benefit themselves. They could have stopped there, and they, they would really not have gotten have. in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the AD&D, like, laser focus on law rather than the broader idea of what order means and, and social order in that is reflected in the 5th edition stuff, that's actually pretty sufficient. Like, that's good. Stop talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't don't make it worse, <laughs> you know. So that's that's fine. And then a, another clause that I like: lawful evil characters support laws and societies that protect their own concerns. I'm going to give that a qualified thumbs up. It's true, but it it implies rather than state out states outright that there's this assumption that the laws that are talking about are only good for them, right? It but mm-hmm. it is entirely possible that there's a law and society that, that protects their concerns, but also protects everyone else's concerns. And the law is good for everyone. Whereas what we're talking about here is like a lawful evil character who's like, yeah, that law is, uh, it's good for me. Don't care about the rest of you. I it's probably terrible for you, whatever. Yeah. You know, and so the, the definition kind of breaks down a little bit, but what they're implying is correct. I like yeah. the, uh, the line, um, Within the limits of a code of tradition, loyalty, or order for the 5e definition. I think that does a really good job of capturing what lawful as opposed to chaotic means, as opposed to like, you know, law law abiding versus law breaking, you know? And and I particularly like loyalty because we have not talked about loyalty a ton so far, and that's a good thing to call out. We'll get into that a little bit as we head down, especially yeah. when we start talking about organized crime well, sure. and stuff. I just wanted to say, like, that really didn't come up as much as it could have in our lawful good and lawful neutral discussion. Yeah. So, uh, and then the last thing I liked, lawful evil characters are usually very careful about giving their word. Once given, they break their word only if they can find a way to do it legally within the laws of the society. Usually saves that claw- that whole phrase, but Yeah. The problem is this is a common trait rather than a hard definition of what lawful evil characters are like. Yeah. But it's also a really fun trait that's really fun to play out because everybody loves to hate that weaselly character who's good with contracts and always, you know, gets off because he knows the law and like can talk his way through the guards and that sort of thing. Yeah, those guys are infuriating. They're infuriating, yeah. and they're wonderful because they're so infuriating. Uh, whether yeah. they're you know a player character or an NPC, everybody loves to to try and catch. If you think of this as like a child arguing on the playground, going, "Nah, I have my fingers crossed." Like children, rules lawyer constantly, uh, but they never they like everything has to have a reason and a, a, a like justification. It's never. Yeah. I just wanted it. Like yeah. you don't get that until like middle school when they go wait. What if I'm just an amoral nihilist? Can I do that? <laughs> yeah. And that's when they discover neutral evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's like young kids. Oh, I get like all the justifications and reasons. No, because I it was because of this. She said I could do like all the legal reasons. It's great. Yeah. My favorite my favorite one is so far. And here's here's the best one. I kept punching him because 
this other person was also punching him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite. There's, there and it was also have... a total lie. Like, that's my other favorite thing. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Oh, man. Now, anyway. That's, that's, that's really good. We were engaging in the rite of pummeling, as is ancient custom. Yeah, no, it's tradition to, it's tradition to beat this kid up. Yeah, absolutely. Um... <laughs> I, I definitely don't know that one firsthand. Yeah, the kid's like, I don't like this tradition. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, this is kind of reductive. And that kind of leads to some of the problems I have with this definition, which is that a lot of what they describe is actually just like they're perfectly valid traits for some lawful evil characters. But I think there's a broader lawful evil definition that's being missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This also led to some... Um, Accusations of reductionism in my first draft of this outline, which was woefully incomplete. Yeah. So. And again, there is that whole problem of, you know, legality in government is the only acceptable definition of lawful in AD&E &E second edition mm -hmm. terms, yeah. right? Yeah. Fifth edition fixes that a little. Yeah. I think third did too, but I don't have my third edition stuff handy. Yeah. Well, it's fun. I, I don't want to hit every single version. Yeah, we, that, we'd be we'll, here all, we'll be here all yeah. night. Yeah. Structure and organization elevate those who deserve to rule as well as provide a clearly defined hierarchy between master and servant. That's a type of lawful evil character, but I can think of many lawful evil characters who don't have that hierarchy in their mind or don't feel like it's a, a deserve to rule. There are some that do. Yeah, it, you but, can you can get really nasty solo operators that are incredibly disciplined and stuff and aren't part of a hierarchy. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Deathstroke in the D and D yeah. D DC universe is yeah, a perfect yeah. example. That's absolutely. Like Slade Wilson is just lawful evil to a T, and he's not usually part of a team or anything. Right. And then the one I've really had a problem with was lawful evil characters obey laws out of fear of punishment. I don't think, yeah, that that one really rubs me the wrong way uh -huh. because I think it sort of counteracts the idea of them knowing that they're going to be able to weasel their way out of it. Right. It's, 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 um... And if this were... I think it's the some, wrong type of selfishness to be focusing on. I Lawful evil characters weaponize legal codes would be a better way of putting it. Yeah. And Ooh. it would still be a little bit too oversimplifying, but it would be closer. Yeah, I'd, I'd phrase it more along the lines of lawful evil characters... It's not even just like the letter of the law above the spirit of the law. I'd say the letter of the law against the spirit of the law. Sure. Yeah. I, I like think the that, problem actually. is that this is a definitive statement. If this were right. many lawful evil characters obey laws out of fear of punishment or, you know, Jenny, you know, many lawful evil characters use the law as a weapon. Like, yeah. That's that would be great because there are certainly characters who are the, the sniveling, weaselly. You know, I only obey, you know, obey the law because I am too weak to avoid its effects type. Uh -huh. And I, those are great NPCs. Yeah, but so is like the guy who's like, the law is my weapon and I will wield it against you. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. But like, you're going to tell me that Dr. Doom obeys laws because he's afraid of being of the consequences? <laughs> yeah, no. no, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> Dr. Doom obeys laws because he has kind of a weird code of honor and because a lot of the time he wrote them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's definitely the structure and hierarchy guy, and I believe I deserve to rule, yada, yeah. yada, yada. But he's not going, well, I wrote the law. I'm afraid of it. It's my word is on the line. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, you, you get this image of like this evil tyrant sitting down and writing out all these laws and then looking at the paper and going, eh, 
yeah, <laughs> running right, away exactly. and hiding in the corner. It does not fit. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. We've kind of broken that down. Again, this is not the worst AD&D second edition has to offer by a long shot. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. We so, still have chaotic neutral left. Yay. Uh, all right. Peter, you, you kind of want to talk about some criminal justice terms, and I like yeah, this. I, let's, okay. let's bring this in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So when I was going through and getting my criminal justice degree, I encountered two terms that are generally used during a like an illegal death investigation. Those are malice aforethought and depraved indifference. And, and to be clear, that's malice aforethought. A-F-O-R-E. T-H-O-U-G-H-T. That's all one word, not malice of forethought. Yes. This is malice thought of ahead of time. It's it's premeditation. It's it's deliberate cruelty. You really can like shave the legalese off of this and just refer to them as malice and indifference. So malice is when the actual goal is to hurt some person or group. This is the evil of the cruelty is the point. Things like hatred, bigotry, uh, disproportionate vengeance, really any vengeance, but especially like the, you know, you broke my pencil, so I'm going to kill you and your family level of stuff. And the extremes of rage fall under the umbrella of malice. Now, lawful evil tends more towards the beginning entries on this list. Prejudice is extremely lawful because it sorts people into groups and then designates some of those groups as more worthy than others. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as a person falls into this arbitrary category, I can do whatever the heck I want to them and they've got it coming. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, the only thing that person did wrong was be born. Now, it does merit like mentioning that some of the more hot-blooded stuff like vengeance and rage and that sort of thing can still be part of lawful evil. You just have to work at it a little more because cold-bloodedness and law tend to, to be a little bit more of a natural fit. You don't need to glue them together as much, but you can get there. I mean, a lot of the time, like, you know, rage will cool into like a, a prejudice or that sort of thing. That's one way to do it. Also, I... I may get in some trouble with my co-host for this opinion, but evil tends to lie to itself a lot, and um, I think no, no, malice that, I is think actually that's, that I think is malice not is more a, a common than indifference. Uh, if for no other yeah. reason than what starts off as indifference slowly turns into entitlement, then into self-righteousness, and then into real nastiness. Yeah, the extreme no. example, of course, is the so-called divine right of kings. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. So, I mean, how many religious <clears throat> hypocrites have... Oh, yeah. We I all mean, encountered where, you know, you know, it's, you know, oh, you're actually being cruel and then trying to justify it. Stop Judge that. Follow from Hunchback, to use a well-known yeah. fictional example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I hate to say it. You look at the news and you see quite a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you know, the constantly. people who, you know, all the people who, you know, are just randomly racist to people and be like, well, you know, I had this perf- I had this reason for it. I was I was in the right. No, no, you're no, not. No. You're, you're just no, a racist. <laughs> okay, so indifference is I don't care so long as I benefit in right. most cases. Um, so the iconic example here is the slave owner that doesn't necessarily spend all their time figuring out creative ways to mistreat the slaves, but has them. Um, yeah. They're perfectly happy to exploit other sapients for free labor because it enriches them or accomplishes some goal of theirs. Yeah. Uh, I hate that I have had to say this to people recently, but like, there is no such thing as a good slave owner. In being yeah. a slave owner, you have revoked your right to be a good one mm-hmm. because you're owning people. Yeah, I mean, whatever else you've done in life, this is a real mark against you. Yeah. 
Another good and different and also recent fictional example is Thanos. He had a goal. He believed that wiping out half of everyone was necessary and didn't particularly mind being responsible for the massive loss of trillions of innocent lives across the universe and didn't really seriously consider any any other way of doing what he wanted because mm -hmm. he thought he was right. I mean, you know, I mentioned Dr. Doom earlier. I feel like that's yeah. a, a great example of this because Doom really doesn't care what his means are. Yeah. And like, you know, he will use the most effective means. He's not seeking to be cruel most of the time. I'm yeah. not a huge comics reader, so I'm sure there's some example of him doing it no, on purpose. He's, but he's you know, more just ruthless. He's he's yeah, not he, he's one of the least sadistic villains in the Marvel universe. Right, he's but just he also very calculating. Will, he will use and destroy anyone if it furthers his plans. Absolutely. Sometimes those those plans are nominally selfless, like ruling Latveria, but it's still ruling it with him at the top for his benefit and, you know, under his iron fist. So there's that, yeah. you know, and he'll also just utterly destroy people, including people he used to care a great deal about just to get Accomplish a little further his goals. Yeah. 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 He is just ultimate ruthlessness. Uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see him like, Compared and contrasted with uh, Magneto, who I would also say is lawful evil, who is much more of the misguided idealist type. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I think that that's where the loyalty thing we talked about comes in mm -hmm. a bit more because, mm -hmm. you know, Magneto has, you know, he wants loyalty. Yeah. And Magneto but, is incredibly sympathetic, whereas Doom is well, more of just a garden variety megalomaniac. Yeah. And Magneto, through all the things that has have happened with him over the decades, has been you know, turned into a very sympathetic villain. But at the same time, he is very much a villain because in many cases, he's just saying, well, we don't need these people. He's also somewhat malicious in the sense of these people, you know, like humans are below me. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What was that line from the, the first X-Men movie that they did? You're a god among insects. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. To one of the other mutants that was I working saw with that him. like once and was like, I'm going to go back to watching the cartoon. Thanks. So. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I don't wasn't retain awful, a whole but... lot more of that movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so so this is also the form of evil that can kind of seem more like neutrality. They're not setting out to harm anyone. It's just a byproduct. Right, just uh, in very yeah, big quotes. Yeah, just a byproduct. It's hard to pin down the dividing line between neutrality and evil in this particular case, but the severity is probably a good measure. If you cheat somebody out of the cost of a sandwich or a tank of gas... That's annoying, but the person's going to recover pretty quickly. If you cheat somebody out of their home or out of their retirement savings, that is a life-altering, life-destroying, most likely, event. And that is yeah. quite clearly evil. I, you know, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I'm going to say that it's a, an awareness of consequences. If somebody thinks they're doing good and does not know the consequences, I'd, I'd like to put that in neutral. Right. Or yeah. a, or very misguided good. If somebody is aware of the consequences and has weighed it and said, well, these horrific consequences are somebody else's to bear. Yeah. Eh. I'm going to say that's more this this lawful evil type. Yeah. I'll buy that. Um, too. I have a I have a real world example of this, actually, um, that I sort of we sort of skipped over it in our I think it was it was either lawful good one of our previous lawful episodes mm -hmm. um because I wanted to talk about it on this episode okay and I think the best way f in my mind 
the way that I differentiate the the different lawfuls is through a series of events that happened uh, during my childhood in school when we had a no-tolerance bullying policy. So what this was supposed to mean is bullies get punished. And so, so what should have happened would be the lawful good thing where... I, I will use this real world, world example. One of my friends got his shoulder dislocated by a bully. Mm. What should have happened was the bully should have been suspended. That was the actual written thing. It's like you severely <laughs> injured a child. You're suspended. That's what should have happened. Yeah. The neutral response would have been because at one point my friend did kind of try to fight back. I would say the neutral response there would be one student suspended, one student put in detention because the bully dislocated my friend's shoulder, <laughs> suspended. But because my friend also fought back, the fighting back would not be seen as a defense. It would just be seen as straight violence and thus detention because the he never actually did any damage. What actually happened is what I consider the lawful evil thing, where my friend got suspended. <laughs> and not the bully? Yeah. Ta-da! No, zero tolerance policies don't work. Mm-hmm. So that's where I put oh, it. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I'd almost put that on neutral evil. <laughs> that's just awful. I'm sorry to hear that happened. Even yeah, I think the bully got detention. Out of, okay. I, think, I, I believe there was some sort of like punishment for the bully. But my friend was also punished because he said some bad things and tried to punch, and it just didn't work. Ugh. So, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's getting, where I sit on that. Yeah. Getting get, to a, a compelling argument. Uh, getting back to the outline a little bit. Okay. So, most things that aren't themselves evil, like, for instance, agriculture, but are done in evil ways, and by that I mean everything from slave labor to copywriting seeds and pollen, which is a thing that happens in the real world could be done as effectively, though perhaps not as lucratively for the person or people at the top in non-evil ways. Some things that are done in evil ways would actually be much more efficient if done in non-evil ways at well. This isn't always true, obviously, but heartless efficiency is often more heartless than actually efficient and frequently isn't very sustainable, in particular when you're talking about, like, people that are doing jobs for you. You get better and more work out of people if they have a good work-life balance and are paid a, a wage that doesn't, you know, subject them to privation and stuff. But going all the way back into at least when the Bible was written, there have been people that have found reasons not to do those things because, hey, greed. Mm -hmm. This is also one of the key things that makes minions like Undead really appealing to evil characters and organizations because you don't have to feed them, you don't have to let them sleep, and the concerns of the family members about the dignity of the deceased can be brushed aside. In fact, actually, that whole, like, you never get to eat, you never get to sleep, you never get to rest, that's part of the foundation of the original zombie myths. It was a even worse form of slavery because you don't even get to rest. So... To summarize real quickly with a driving analogy, and then I'm going to kick this back to Grant because I've been, or Jenny, whoever wants to take it because I've been talking for a while. Malice would be <laughs> speeding up to hit a pedestrian you don't like in a crosswalk. Indifference would be plowing through the crosswalk at top speed anyways, regardless of who is there because you have places to be. Right. Yeah. I think this, this sort of leads into an empathy kind of thing because, mm -hmm. like, 
you can't have empathy for somebody, like true empathy, and also mistreat them. Um, You cannot be evil and think of all sapient beings as worthwhile, as worthy of dignity and compassion, security, etc., etc. There, I believe in lawful evil, there is an inherent mindset of inequality and the belief of that inequality as not a bad thing um, because there's the possibility of you being on top. Um, you know, I, I think this is where that bit about hierarchy kind of comes in because yeah. I think yeah. in many cases, lawful evil is I am better than you and thus in the system we live in, I, you know, I deserve this more yeah. than you, more than someone. Right, mm-hmm. more, or, I am more equal than you. Q animal farm references. Sure, exactly. This is um, also and, and I why to, I well, hold, hold on real go quick. Ahead, I, but I'm, I'm I have something specific to say about this. Yeah. Um, I think this often can, like when we start talking about like neutral evil and chaotic evil. This that sort of you know uh, indifference to others is mm-hmm. certainly going to to come up a lot as well. But I think the difference is that for lawful evil characters we're talking about part part of the superiority is an ability to manipulate or run a system mm-hmm. rather than you know a brute strength or a devotion to something that gives them you know some sort of raw power how many lawful evil characters are well i'm just better at the system than you yeah Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think that's a big part of it. Or, you know, I deserve to be on top of this system. Yeah. So. so one one thing I don't have in the outline, but I think bears mentioning here is this whole like, you know, we're we're somehow better than you or that sort of thing that this inherent inequality is one of the reasons why I really, really hate racial alignments for humanoids. Oh, yeah. And RPGs. Yes. Like, oh my god! Because the idea that like all drow or orcs or hobgoblins or whatever are you know evil or the vast majority of them are, and we shouldn't really take a chance with the rest of them, mm-hmm. is really just the same prejudice thing in disguise. Like yes. yeah. you've you've created fictional groups to be prejudiced against, which is nominally better than doing it with real people, but it's still really a toxic thing to have in your setting and. It's less interesting. Yeah, we it, talked yeah. about this in the the lawful good episode. We did. D and D, especially early editions of D and D, has a real problem with conflating race and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, evil cultures can be interesting. Evil races are a big problem, and you should not do it. Yeah. <laughs> as far yeah, exactly. as I'm concerned. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> um, All right. Okay. So, so I, here's here's the thing. We have talked a lot about lawful evil and why it's bad and the nature of it, but I have a confession for you. Hmm. I really love lawful evil characters. They're a lot of fun. And I don't mean to play necessarily, but as a GM, oh, they're so much fun. Because, like, guess what? You guys hate them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, they're so (laughs) much fun to to give you something to say, hate this guy, please. Beat him up. Try and best him. He's going to fight mm-hmm. you. He's going to make it difficult and not through main strength, but by being a real right piece of work. Yeah. Gage. Gage in the colony he, game. He, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we encountered him once and we were all in opposing that guy. Yeah. So, that, yeah. 
not being able to play out Gage is like the one regret I have from that game ending. As such, though, we need to talk about like some some general archetypes of lawful evil. I don't want to spend a ton of time. Like Peter's put a bunch of, of stuff in here about these, but yeah, if you are a Patreon backer. Tons of material in the outline this time. Go take a look at it. That's a good reminder. We do put all of our outlines into a folder that everyone who's a Patreon backer can read. So, you know. I actually got a little carried away with this one. We're going to have to summarize a little. But, you know, Gage is a good example of the oppressor, right? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you were just talking about, Jenny, is the person who rules the hierarchy because... You know, they're in, they want to be in charge. The power is satisfying and their power comes from the system. Yeah. And it's not even that they want it because they want to be in charge because they think they deserve to be in charge. Yes. Yes. As the upper crust. Of some sort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Of of something. Yeah. Upper crust of something. And this can be very petty power, you know, an office, (laughs) Um, you know, a a business. Playground group. Yep. Yeah. Uh, A playground. Yes. Um. Or it can be whole nations, right? Yeah, planets, you know, intergalactic societies. Emperor Palpatine is evil, or is lawful evil. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is your classic villain, law, like lawful evil villain. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not always the most interesting, but absolutely the one that I think everyone is most familiar with. Yeah, this is the, the most dictator. iconic. Yeah. yeah, iconic. That's a good word. Yes. Yeah. This is the dictator. This is everything you are fighting in Shadowrun and other cyberpunk games. You know, it's it's evil as an oppressive power. Yeah, this is your totalitarian regimes. This right. is, you know. Exactly. Yeah. This is actually, you know what, on a, on a smaller scale, this is also your organized hate groups. Oh, this yeah. is This is things like the Ku Klux Klan and, you know, other like ethnic uh, supremacy organizations like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Generally because they are they have their own hierarchies within them. Mm-hmm. Oh, a like lot of they, them a very detailed one. Yeah. 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 Um oh. they 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 know how a hierarchy quote unquote should work in their eyes. They implement it within themselves and often try to implement it outside. Yep. And um it's yeah. Yeah. You organized know, crime tough. also falls under this. Like, if you look <laughs> at, like, um, you know, all the classic mobster movies, you know, like The Godfather and Goodfellas and that sort of thing, that kind of, like, regimented, hierarchical, organized crime where you've got, like, you know, the the Don at the top and then, the you know, the underbosses and that sort of thing. And they're all out doing, you know, various illegal stuff, murder and intimidation and extortion and that sort of thing. Very lawful evil. Oh, it's, sure. Yeah. It's structured and it's hurting people. <laughs> it's often, yeah. you know, the evil vizier. Or, you yep. know. Oh, yeah. Like Jafar. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you could actually make an, an argument for pirates, like your classic pirates, because there was like a written code that they would follow. There were hierarchies within them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely play them as chaotic. But I think that you can also play pirates as lawful evil, yeah, although people like to put have, the chaos in there for fun. You could certainly have lawful evil pirates that would be very historically accurate. And they That's would also true. be absolutely terrifying in a fantasy game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're not, oh, lawful yeah. does not here mean a massive overarching hierarchy that everybody agrees to. It means... You know, we're on a ship. We obey orders. We have codes for, like, how we interact with each other. You, you know, know what else it often means? 
coordination. Yeah, well, it can, yes. but it doesn't have to. And that's my point. We're yeah. not necessarily talking about like every pirate ship is part of a massive organized fleet. We mean, No, I just mean the members of the same crew like work as a yes. finely oiled machine. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or at least have enough organization to get on with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and you know what? Everybody loves this story because it's real fun to overthrow entire evil kingdoms. You know what else is cool about these? Thematics. A lot of the time, if you've got a large evil organization, there will be some thematic elements to it. I'm, I'm using this with um, uh, Vanarax in the game that I'm running on Sundays. It's this evil dragon empire. So you've got, you know, like specific looks and feels and powers and that sort of thing. And you can you can get like a real strong theme going for your mm-hmm. bad guys in this, you know, that, that Imperial stormtrooper uniform and all of its variants and stuff. Classic example. Sure. Um, on the other hand, it's also really easy for your big evil organization to start feeling a little too homogenous. So you might want to throw in some elite units and stuff to break it up and make it a little scarier for PCs when they run into them and that sort of thing. But it, it, you know, this theme is, sound is re- cool. You know, it's going to sound really dumb, but I think actually works for this. Hmm. Take like the Sailor Moon approach and have like weird villains who are part of a hierarchy and serving this, this, you know, evil master, but who are independent in their own way and approach things in their own way because that breaks it up and you'd be like, oh, it's so-and-so we have to fight them differently than the first guy that we dealt with. Yeah. You give them character. Yeah, this is coming up a lot in the current arc for My Hero Academia with okay. the mob. Cool. Hmm. So, yeah. It's on my list, uh, I promise. <laughs> Metal Gear bosses follow the same, like, thematics hmm. as this. Like, yeah. I mean, um, you know, you, you get it. Even, like, Metal Gear Solid, way back on the original PlayStation, like Vulcan Raven, Sniper Wolf, Psycho Mantis, all of those, you know, crazy, like, over-the-top quasi sci-fi paramilitary bad guys are you suggesting metal gear is a shonen anime in disguise it's not that disguise i don't know enough about shonen anime but i think it is anyway okay i mostly said that to make jenny laugh but i think it's actually true i think you're right there you go come at at me nerds (laughs) all right so the next one we've got on our list here is the mastermind and this is kind of like your evil clockwork, right? You know, oh, you're, yeah. you're super mm-hmm. organized, tidy, you know, um, everything is just so evil. Serial killers mm-hmm. with their careful murder rituals and systems for cleaning up crime scenes afterwards. Uh, yeah. Heist crews, evil heist crews where they've got everything coordinated down to like, you know, second by second. They know exactly the response time of the authorities and stuff. Yeah. Um, I would say that this would also include... Um, like the scientists who made the atomic bomb mm. yeah, because it's, there. it's it, it is making this this thing that you know is going to kill people but you can't think about that yeah so you just sort of put it to the back of your mind and you just do, do the science big, yeah do you, this big strategy kind of thing you know who else this makes me think of hmm certain anti-heroes like dexter yeah mm-hmm. yep B- mm-hmm. because Again, Dexter is not a heroic character, but he's put into the role of a hero, despite not having heroic traits. And he is definitely this planning serial killer 
type. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a good model for having for how a lawful evil character can work at the table as part of a PC group who might not otherwise want that. You know, you can say, well, you know, he's got his own means and mechanisms that he uses and he's obviously evil. Like, let's not shy away from that. But he's an antihero, not a villain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the Punisher falls under the same umbrella, actually. Maybe. It's hard to say. I, and that's, I say hard to say I mean, because I, I've I seen think the, the interpretations only I've seen of the Punisher kind of make me think neutral evil, but I also yeah. have to admit I've really only mostly seen him from like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Okay, yeah. If you watch like the Netflix series or read the comic books or something, he's pretty lawful evil. Okay, fair. Um, he's he's very disciplined. He's very like systematic about things. He is a he's a real tactician and planner and stuff. He's he's basically what Captain America would be if Cap didn't have any morals in the Super Soldier Serum. He's he's definitely not an idiot. Okay, he's hold just, on, hold on, hold on. Are we conflating an ability to plan with? a appreciation for social order not necessarily i think just structure whatever form it takes is okay, kind just, of an indication of lawfulness i want to be careful with that because i'm thinking of like you know your neutral evil cultist of some evil deity or something in a, a D, D campaign not that i'm speaking from any experience <laughs> recently whatsoever <laughs> you know who very much seems like the type who would plan Right. And and lay out and have stratagems, but is definitely not lawful. Like they're they're very much just focused on this master. But they're like, well, because I lay my plans, I'm doing that well. I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that um, Frank Castle was and actually Dexter were also part of the legitimate system and worked as agents okay. of that. That's so, fair. That's fair. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for discussion as much yeah, as and, anything and, else. You know, I, I think your point is a good one because it brings up that like neighboring alignments bleed into each other a fairly significant amount. Right. A yeah. lot of the time, like we ran into this, especially with lawful good where it's like, ah, maybe this character is neutral good. Well, but there's also, there's some kind of good. Let's move on. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so one of my favorite examples of this actually was Bane. Back in the uh, the Nightfall arc that they did with Batman, let's all of the, um, you know, once again, like a very disciplined individual and then used like others to do his job, like created a hierarchy that a lot of folks didn't even know they were participating in. Basically, for those who haven't read it or aren't familiar with it, Bane let all the bad guys out of Blackgate and Arkham and let them rampage around Gotham just wreaking havoc, let Batman and the GCPD run themselves just utterly ragged, and then caught up with Batman, I believe, in the Batcave and broke his spine Yeah, when he if, was just running on fumes. And since we're talking about DC, honestly, the best possible example of a lawful evil mastermind villain is absolutely Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. He, he's he's as iconic as Doctor Doom is for like the tyrant character for yeah 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 Lex Luthor is yeah great Paul my my only problem with characters like this and problem is not really the right word the the bit that takes effort you can't go masterminds are not easy to do in like a one shot 
You need to yeah. have an investigation. They need to be uncovered because that's the reward is you've discovered the spider at the center of the web. Yeah, it's it, they're really fantastic for campaigns, though, because sure. mm-hmm. you can get a little mm-hmm. clue here and a little clue here. And this ticks you off and this shows you what they're, you know, what they're doing. And you almost got them that time. And then once you finally do catch up with them, it's so satisfying. Right. And this is not to say you can you, you can't have a a four hour one shot that's. You know, we fight our way through a, a couple of encounters and have, some, you know, have a fun romp. And then, you know, the curtain falls and wahaha, it was me all along. Like you could ha- kind of hand wave it and, and be like, ah, the man behind the curtain. Now we have our real mm-hmm. boss fight. Yeah. But re- like the the real uncovering, the, that that's really satisfying the investigation. Yeah. And you it takes time. Yeah. Fun fact, this is what I'm doing with the kids in the game at the library, and it's being, it's so much fun right oh, now, cool. because, like, they're starting to put things together, and I'm just like, ha <laughs> Oh, that's great. I, I oh, wish you could great. talk about that more. I have a moral code! I know you do! <laughs> I wonder if you could maybe, like, at some point, completely file all of the serial numbers off and write it up as, like, an adventure or something. Um... Maybe it's very episodic. I what I would be willing to do, honestly, I would like to go to the parents of all the kids and get their permission for me to talk about it on the podcast. I don't know a single parent that wouldn't. So I mean, that's yeah, fair. yeah. yeah. Well, I, it's this just is, I don't have Jenny that permission being lawful yet. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe um, wait wait till you know the end or something. But oh yeah. yeah, like I'm waiting until like the end. Yeah, that makes sure, sense because okay. So one other thing that I do want to mention about the mastermind though is if you're players get totally like stuck serendipity is like a time-honored convention of the superhero genre in particular i mean sometimes these villains have accounted for everything except for the fact that spider-man decided to web swing home this way tonight so he can see the sunset better (laughs) so you know nobody is completely able to account for everything and uh that's something also um okay so like in fantasy games these tend to be dragons a lot right Smart doesn't mean infallible. Let these guys have cracks. Otherwise, it's just going to be an exercise in frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Give them weaknesses yep. because they're people. Yeah. Yes, you exactly. Uh, my personal favorite, the weasel. <laughs> the, the the guy you love to hate who just manages to to use the law for his own ends to to always kind of be like, ah, 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 you can't do that because of regulation 743 section two, you know, like that guy is just a delight because it ticks everyone off and you want to punch him, but it turns out you can't because the police are watching. Yeah. And there's a zero tolerance policy and you would, you would be suspended and not them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, these guys are often motivated primarily by greed and generally mm-hmm. fall under the umbrella of indifference rather than malice just because eh, that takes more effort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they don't want to. A lot of the time, these guys are lawful evil in a shockingly lazy way. Like a really nice contemporary example of this is ransomware. Now, ransomware is really nothing more than extortion automated and made digital, right? I think we can all kind of agree on that. Your computer is locked. The hard drives are encrypted. You're not getting your files back until you give us X amount of Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. The thing that makes that lawful evil instead of neutral evil is if you're doing it with malware and, you know, like that sort of thing, it's 
impersonalized, so you're not out strong arming anybody. It's automated. It's just messing up people's days, just on the ticks of little binary going through, you know, processing units and you just well, more than the that, it's afterwards. part of an organized campaign, usually. Yeah, exactly. And it's also subverting something that should be safe to interact with, which is usually the, the two most common vectors for this kind of malware are emails usually purporting to be from somewhere else and malicious advertising usually purchased through legitimate channels. Now, we can talk about like the morality of advertising some other time when we're not already an hour and 15 minutes into an episode, but, <laughs> it, you know, it's... It's taking stuff that should be, at the very worst, like, kind of irritatingly harmless and weaponizing it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, these guys are have a really nice, um, like, story utility. Like Grant said, first of all, everybody loves to hate this guy. They're irritating. Yeah. They, they bother you that they're getting away with this stuff. Mm -hmm. But they also usually aren't threatening the city or the world. Um, like genocide is not going to happen if you don't stop this guy. He's just going to keep getting away with it. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, so they're a nice palate cleanser. If you've been up against somebody who's like really capital E evil from up the list and, you know, wants to wipe out whole populations or enslave everybody or something like that. A lot of Spider-Man's rogues gallery falls into this category. Actually, there's a lot of just like bank robbers and jewel thieves and that sort of thing in his. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of just small time crooks. Yeah, perhaps with superpower devices, but like not yeah. Spider-Man doesn't usually fight Dr. Doom. You know, he's fighting mm -hmm. the shocker mm -hmm. or something. And these are often just like the corrupt authority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the dirty cop that you can just pay to look the other way. Right. Or the cabal of cops who are misusing the law and misusing their position for their own ends. Absolutely the same or even sort of thing. Like nasty college administrators that mm -hmm. mess with, you know, applications and what students are allowed to have and Sure, or who take yeah. bribes. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Scam artists. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All that good stuff. And one thing I do kind of like about these characters, it, I mean, obviously they show a lot of, they cause a lot of problems, right? Without necessarily being a world shaking threat, right? They're just kind of like, oh, you're a headache. Yeah, they're they, a zit, not a tumor. They actually <laughs> kind of serve to show off a lot about the world. Yes. You know, they, they're a like, really good way to expand the player's horizons on that kind of Thing because it's like this is a small symptom of a bigger problem yeah absolutely and also like symptoms exactly it what allowed them to get into this position what are they exploiting they're exploiting something it's more than why just, is it exploitable yeah why is it exploitable yeah. exactly is there a is there a larger structural problem can we do anything about that should we you know yeah all, all of these questions come up and so they sort of show something off without putting anything that feels absurdly big at stake. Yeah. And finally, there's just, you know, the jerk. Mm hmm You know, the people who are, sort of act within certain traditions or laws, but it's kind of pushed to the edges of those, right? You know, mm -hmm. the verbally abusive partner uh, who, you know, isolates people and, and you know, is, is a real abusive person, but who never lays a finger on anyone, you know, but who really can mess people up for a long time. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite examples of this was actually a player character in uh, a Let's Play that I, I can, it's killing me. I cannot remember the title of it right now. But he was the one evil character in a group full of pretty good characters because this person wanted a redemption arc. This okay. person had never had to think about anybody but himself mm-hmm. in years because he'd been allowed to be a selfish, spoiled brat in charge of a major household. Mm-hmm. And so he was prejudiced, he was selfish, he couldn't work with a group, and this person went in wanting a redemption arc. I'd say the jerk is actually one of the better redemption arc possibilities if you want to try doing that kind of thing. And if your group is okay with that No, kind I, of I agree. Thing. Because it is that idea of, I just haven't noticed I haven't realized yeah. m- the effects I have. Like there can be a core of good there that's just been left to wither for a long time. Yeah. And needs- yeah, this can be malignant naivety in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the abusive boss is a really good yeah. version of this mm-hmm. because they have that little bit of power, but it's just oh, you need to you need to work a little extra or. No, you, know. you can't call in sick today. <laughs> right. You know, we, we really need you to come in, you know. You know, it's not going to look good on your review. You know, that that mm-hmm. there's, there's so much of that going on. And some of that is, you know, corporate structural problem, but a lot of it is a cultural problem. Yep. Um, uh, my wife's watched a lot of Agretzko lately. Yes. And um, the, the boss in Agretzko yep. is exactly Told. this. Um, yeah. Peter, you would actually, I think, really love Gretzko. I've never even heard yeah. of it. What, is that oh, anime it's a or Netflix TV series. Or? It's, okay. It's, Jenny, go ahead. It's anim- it, it's it's um Sanrio are, characters. Are you familiar with Sanrio? So like Hello Kitty style characters, but it's an office setting. Um and it features a red panda who is extreme is really cute, on- really sweet, but she just every now and then has to cathart and she does so through heavy metal. <laughs> Yeah, specifically like heavy metal karaoke. Screamo. Like she has to scream it out. Yeah. And what's, I, I what's will great. definitely watch at least one episode of this. I'd never even heard of this oh, before. Oh, you should. What's, yeah. what's there's, cool so there's, is that it there's is. There's the Netflix series and there's the original series that's like two minute episodes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I didn't even know about that. Um, what's cool is it's kind of a lot of commentary on Japanese culture. But even mm-hmm. if you're not at all familiar with like Japanese cultural uh, tensions in the moment, it's really office fun. culture. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. office culture stuff. I suspect you would recognize in the boss a, a couple of people from your office. Um, <laughs> not going to name anyone specifically, but I've I've seen you complain. Yeah, uh, and, but it's that idea of like I have to put up with this. Yeah, really, you're going to make me do this. This is not part of my job description, but I got to keep the job. I, I got to keep my my boss I happy, and there's cultural this. expectations and. You know, and that idea also of like, it feels like everyone else has it better and everyone else has it together when that's really not true. Everyone else is just as confused. Mm-hmm. That really yeah. comes through. It's actually really cute. And also there is screaming death metal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just based on what you guys told me, I'll watch at least one episode of this. Oh, so. it's short. Watch two. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like the original series is like two minute episodes. The current series is twelve minute episodes. Uh, oh, 15, yeah, that's like nothing. That? Fifteen, yeah, fifteen. Still, okay. that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. 
but it's fun. But that's exactly this this kind of character that I'm thinking of. And they're also really good because ultimately they are small and sometimes you can just beat them up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, I remember a certain ab- abusive boss that got thrashed by us multiple times in the Shadowrun game. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was quite a lot of fun. And for very good reason. Yeah. It is cathartic uh, to put this kind of villain in your game and let people get their office frustrations out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> put them in their place. The other thing, too, is they make for good small stakes villains in nonviolent stories. So... Yeah, like a lot of the time, like beating these folks is as easy and as difficult as breaking up with them, quitting the company they run, that sort of thing, just cutting them out of your life. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't have to put them down. (laughs) You know who this is? Hmm. This is Morris in Stardew Valley. Because is Morris in Stardew Valley. Because you beat him by like bringing the community together and saying, you know, take your thinly veiled Amazon uh, company out of here. I thought it was Walmart. Yeah, so did I. Have, have you seen the logo with the little smile underneath? Okay, yeah, you got a point. It's, it's Amazon March. Anyway. It's, it's definitely an Amazon Walmart mashup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They also are good if you need an enemy that you can't just vanquish for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. the heroes have to be content with cutting them out of their lives. Yeah, um, exactly. You, you, these people do not do stuff that merits being killed or jailed even a lot of the time. They're just jerks and deserve to not be in your life anymore. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you'll see these kinds of villains show up in media that's appropriate for younger audiences sometimes because they're just being mean. You know, they're not mm-hmm. killing people. They're not torturing people. They're not committing genocide. Yeah. I mean, this is literally the schoolyard bully. Yeah. 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 They're like pushing people down and stealing their lunch money. You know, it's like it's just a bully. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or not even not even the, the violent bully, like the type that, you know, makes fun of someone. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Just the, the cruel, like yeah, verbally just the cruel abusive person. Because, you know, when, yeah. when they're getting in fights and like taking money, that's kind of a different type yeah right that's probably but the, the kind that yeah. like is always deniable never actually breaks the rules but mm-hmm. constantly makes you feel miserable yeah just cuts people down left and right verbally yeah, that's very like young adult kind of kind of material there yeah yeah somebody who can come up with a humiliating nickname for any first name last name combination falls hey, yeah. into this all category all right We've oh had boy, a lot that's of different examples. <laughs> um, I really want to hear your thoughts on Lawful Evil because I feel like we're going to get the most interesting feedback on all the evil <laughs> um, mm-hmm. episodes because they they are difficult but not impossible to implement as player characters in a lot of games. And again, I want to stress we have talked about this in terms of D&D alignment because that's a convenient framework and familiar to everyone. But, you know, people have played evil characters in many other games that don't have alignment systems, right? And you can easily say, yeah, this person's probably lawful evil. Let me tell you about them and why they work as part of this group and that sort of thing. But again, for all the reasons we've described as well, they're really good antagonists. And everybody loves them. Exceptional antagonists. So I want to hear your stories about lawful evil and I want to hear your thoughts about this. And I do want to hear your thoughts about neutral alignments coming up. You know, tweet those at us, Twitter, com yep. slash saving the games and post them on our Facebook wall. Um, you can send them to us directly, of course, but, you know, post it out there in public because it gets a conversation going. That's fun. Strike and up a section mm. or a conversation in the role playing game section of our discord. Yes, you'll find absolutely. lots of people there that'll have 
a nice fun conversation with oh, you about yeah. that. I mean, we've got over 100 people in our Discord channel, not active all the time, but, you know, more than 100 registered users. And there's always a conversation going. It's been fantastic. Like, it feels weird yeah. that it's been yeah. quiet over the holidays. That's that's yeah. the point. <laughs> now, the quality is- of conversation in there is never ceases to amaze me, too. We have such great listeners. Yeah, like we had to add new channels to our Discord to sort out conversations. We've had that yeah. point. It's, it feels good. Yeah, so that definitely was, that join was a our fun Discord. milestone to cross. Yeah, we join our Discord. That's pinned to the top of our Twitter if you want that. But also yep. you can find it on our website, stgcast.org. There's a big join our Discord thing in the sidebar and it's in the menu. And of course, on our website, you can find past episodes all the way back and Peter's blog posts and all sorts of good content. So we'd recommend that you check those out. One other thing that I do want to mention, um, we do have a Patreon, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, but looking at this seven-page monstrosity of an outline, we went for an hour and a half and we did not cover everything that was in this outline. If you are a Patreon subscriber, this is probably a good one to look up. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, access to our show outlines is available at the lowest funding tier, which is a buck a month. As is the ability mm-hmm. to ask questions like, yep. what's your favorite kind is of it? hot dog? Yep. Or, or please, what's your favorite ingredient in chili? Yes, we want to have the chili <laughs> fight. Please. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> but you can do that for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our website or you can find it at patreon.com slash saving the game. We are spread out over several thousand miles of territory. We have geographically informed opinions about barbecue, chili, etc. Take advantage Mm -hmm. of that. That's right. Get (laughs) your own in. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're from like other countries or outside North America. Please tell us how we're all doing Everything we've everything wrong, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because it's going to be fascinating, and I really yeah, want to hear that. Food fights mm-hmm. are are fun because everybody has opinions, but nobody actually gets mad. So mm-hmm. at least most of the time, Peter, that is not true. Uh, okay, most of the time, people don't get mad about food stuff. <laughs> like, have you been? You've been to a southern barbecue place. You can tell those kinds of people will get mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I've get been to mad. a southern barbecue place that serves several different kinds of barbecue. I tried them all, and every single one was delicious. Come at me, Internet. And, with that, <laughs> and the answer is, but which one is more delicious, and I'll cut you if you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, help us out. You know, if you want to keep our show growing, please do so. There's a couple ways you can do that. Obviously, Patreon is a big one. But even more than that, share our episodes around. You know, t- have conversations. The reason I say have conversations in public on like Twitter and Facebook and that sort of thing is that that helps us. That is visibility and that gets people involved in the conversation and listening to our show. Another thing you can do that helps us a great deal, review us on iTunes. Uh, we got a, a great review Christmas Day. Really appreciated that. Yeah, that ratings was a nice and Christmas reviews present. always help us. Those really bump those numbers up a lot more than you might think. Um, and you know, spread the word about us. It helps us a ton. Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody got any final thoughts on anything we've talked about? Nope. I'm you got more, any last minute stuff? Moratorium on chili and hot dogs. Anything else? No. You okay. got anything else? No. I, I I would be talking otherwise. That's what I. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good night. Take it easy, folks. Have a good one. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license, 
Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.